Hello everyone, this is the Controller Disconnected Podcast. I am your host, Matthias Carnero. Today we will continue to talk about the 2018 game God of War, this time analyzing the gameplay mechanics, weapons, features, what worked and what didn't, and also how big of a change it actually was from the older games. But first, a few updates. I decided that instead of linking to my personal Twitter profile, that I would create one for the podcast itself. It'll be mostly about gaming, reactions, and show updates. You can follow it at condisconnected, C-O-N-D-I-S-C-O-N-N-E-C-T-E-D. I also created an Instagram for the show, which is also called at condisconnected. I'll post updates and other pictures about the show, so make sure to follow there as well. So with those news out of the way, let's continue to talk about God of War. The first thing I'll talk about is probably the most obvious change from the previous games to this one. The style of play went from a fixed camera, fast-paced, slash-em-up, to a third-person, slow-down melee combat, with an added range combat mechanic as well. After putting some thought to it, I figured that this was a necessary change for a reintroduction of the series in a modern gaming context. While the older way of playing had its charm and set the games apart from others of its ilk, the shake-up helped the reception of the game. I'm sure that if they had made it the same way as before, people would have accused the developers of being lazy, not trying new things, relying on no tricks, and etc. When I first saw the new gameplay at the first reveal, I had my doubts, but I didn't believe that it could be bad or that they wouldn't make it work. I would hold my real judgments until I played the game, which, as long as it took, I finally did so. The one criticism I had before beginning the game proper was the remapping of the attack buttons from the old square for light attacks and triangle for heavy attacks to R1 and R2 respectively. I've destroyed many a spring of the shoulder buttons from too much pressing on the PlayStation 3 and the PlayStation 4 itself, so when I saw that there was a classic control configuration, I switched immediately and started the game happy that they gave the players that option. However, as the game went on, I realized that not everything was quite right in this part. There are some special and runic attacks that require the player to hold either the light or heavy attack buttons while aiming with the L2 button and moving the targeting reticle with the right stick. This is incredibly difficult to do on the classic button layout because your right hand is busy pressing the face buttons and you have to move the right stick with your left hand to aim, but while doing that, you can't move the left stick and move Kratos around, which makes you a sitting duck while struggling to attack and when you realize it, you're already being stabbed to death. The clear solution here is to either grow an extra hand to grip the controller with, learn how to play with both hands and one of your feet, or what I ended up doing, switch back to the standard controller configuration and attack with the shoulder buttons, which are obviously the one the game has been optimized around. The classic configuration really only switches around the functions of the R1 and R2 buttons with those of the square and triangle buttons and nothing else. So I feel like it's only there to please the old school fans of the series until they come to the same realization that I did. A less jokey solution to this issue would be to have a southpaw stick configuration, where you control the camera with the left stick and the movement with the right stick. Though the problem with one of the thumbs being used still remains, the player would at least still be able to control the camera with a lot less difficulty. The other big change in gameplay is the main weapon Kratos uses, the Leviathan Axe. The Blades of Chaos, slash Athena, slash Exile, depending on which game you play, are dropped in favor of a new badass weapon with freezing powers. With the slower pace of the combat and the return of the series after many years, it makes sense that a new weapon would be required to adapt and reintroduce players to this new God of War. 
The blades were great for big, wide attacks against a lot of enemies, but the axe requires more precision and commitment when attacking. Instead of going after multiple enemies, the player is usually attacking them one at a time, hurting them little by little before moving on to the next one, and so on until they are all defeated. That's not to say that you can only attack them individually, there are also runic attacks that allow the player to conjure up special attacks, like a freezing area on the ground that hurts enemies around it, a line that strikes enemies in front of Kratos, multiple strong swings, among many others. There are a lot of customization options with these runic attacks, so there's a combination for everyone and every style. The axe also introduces a new ranged attack option, where the player aims and throws the axe at enemies to hit them from afar, or to hit other targets of interest around the game world. But no need to worry about losing your axe forever after throwing, it can be summoned back quickly with a single button press, allowing the player to continue slashing through creatures or to throw it at them again. You can even pin them to the wall for those stylish kill points. There aren't any actual stylish kill points though. But let's say you throw your axe somewhere and you try to attack again. Will Kratos just stick his hands in his pockets even though he doesn't have any and kick dust around doing nothing? Don't flip! Use your fists! Say yeah! What I mean by that is that now you can also fight with hand-to-hand -hand combat, punching and kicking enemies until they're crushed. Not only that, but using bare hands is the easiest way to stun enemies and achieve an instant kill with some, with a flashy sequence of animations to go along much like in the old games. The old Rage of Sparta mechanic is also incorporated into the fisting. By activating it, Kratos will sheath his weapons and pounce onto enemies with great vengeance and furious anger until the meter depletes and he resumes weapons combat. With the right upgrades, he can even throw frickin' rocks at beasts. And to finish up the new weapons section, Kratos now has a shield to protect himself from and parry attacks with. It's not a new mechanic, as in the previous games, Kratos either used both blades or the golden fleece, which was a sort of metal sleeve he wore over one arm, to block attacks. But it looks and also behaves a little different from its previous incarnations. It hides well enough on Kratos' arm, but it expands when pressing the shield button. In addition to blocking and parrying, with the right upgrades it can also deflect projectiles fired from some enemies and deal damage upon parrying. Bringing up the shield is also required to perform runic attacks with the axe or the blades. Oh, wait, did I say blades? Well, what a perfect coincidence that I totally didn't write in order to transition into the next segment. We'll be right back. Hi, hello, I'm recording this ad on my phone because I forgot to do it earlier and it's also at night so I have to speak very low. This episode is sponsored by Anchor. It's the easiest and best way to make your podcast for free. There are creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right on your phone or your computer in case you don't have any of that fancy software stuff. It'll also distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, wherever you want. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, which means that even if one person listens to your podcast with ads, you already get paid. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, easy, and did I say it's free? Yeah, I'm using it right now to make this episode for you. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Alright, let's go back to the episode and I'm gonna record this better next time, I promise. Welcome back. Yes, you heard me right the last time. I did say Blades, because the Blades of Chaos actually return in this game. 
In the previous episode, I mentioned that Atreus gets sick at a certain point, and Kratos has to go to Helheim to get the cure. Before doing that, he must return home and get his old weapon because the axe would be useless against the icy creatures there. Ice against ice is a stalemate, but with fire against ice, there's a clear winner. In this new combat system, instead of being in a flurry of metal and fire like in the older games, the blades are more of an elemental weapon like the axe, the latter dealing freezing damage and the former dealing burn damage. It also comes with its own selection of upgrades and runic attacks, some of them resembling combos from the previous titles which will feel familiar to fans. The blades don't only come into use in Helheim though, there are many places around the realms covered in Hell's Bramble which they can burn down in order to allow access to previously sectioned off areas and chests. And the ability to quickly switch between the two weapons allows the player to inflict a lot of damage creatively and effectively, as well as permitting to use either weapon's runic attacks while the other is in cooldown. It's incredibly fun and satisfying to mix and match and mince through enemies in this game, and once again I cannot wait to see what comes next. With the addition of an extra character accompanying the player on their adventures, it makes sense that they'd also be given something to do other than just run around and talk. Atreus carries a bow and arrow that he can fire at the player's command with the press of a button. There's no need to aim at enemies to ensure a shot, but it is also possible. With upgrades, his shots become more powerful when damaging, and with his invisibility, Atreus becomes very useful in dealing blows against a particularly strong enemy, or to get yourself out of a pinch and rethink the fight. He becomes even more useful after acquiring special arrows during the story. The light arrows allow Atreus to shoot blue crystals that make light bridges to reach places otherwise not possible, turn switches, and stun enemies, while during combat they can be fired directly at them for extra damage and stunning capabilities. Similarly, the shock arrows are used to destroy dark elf vines and unlock new places in chests, and can also be used for greater damage in combat. The shock arrows can stun enemies in place, allowing the player to deal a lot of damage with reduced risk, so I much prefer them over the light arrows while fighting. Lastly, Atreus also has his own special abilities in the form of spectral attacks, which come in the form of summoning ghost animals. They can be activated by holding the Atreus attack button. Among the attacks are a cast of falcons that dive into enemies, a stampede of boars that run them over, a pouncing wolf, a murder of crows that swarms them, an elk that discharges a damaging aura, and most curiously, a squirrel with a ludicrous cooldown time that fetches healing and rage stones for recovery. Unfortunately, I found myself rarely using these summons outside of very hard boss fights, simply because I usually forgot they were even there. I suppose that among the many other possibilities to defeat monsters, this one kind of got lost in the shuffle. Another new mechanic, this time actually replacing one from the older games, is the crafting and shopping system. Before, the player used to acquire red orbs from killing enemies, which could be used to upgrade weapons and magic found during the game. This has been changed to a crafting system where you can upgrade weapons and armor, also new to the series, in exchange for a currency called Hacksilver. The main weapons, however, require different specific items to be leveled up. Frozen and Chaos Flames for the axe and the blades respectively. Some pieces of armor also need additional items on top of Hacksilver in order to be upgraded or crafted. The armor is separated into chest, wrist and waist armor, and provides different stats and buffs which can be upgraded in the shop. The player can either stick to a particular set, or mix and match in order to get the best out of every piece. Other things that can be bought in the shop are talismans, which provide further stats buffs and other abilities when inserted into the equipped armor, resurrection stones that allow the player to be revived once upon death, runic attacks, and different materials that may also be used for crafting or upgrading. In addition to Hacksilver, the player also earns XP while playing. 
This is used to unlock new abilities for both Kratos and Atreus' weapons, as well as upgrading runic attacks in their possession. Some abilities are locked behind upgrades though, so you would need to go to the shop and level up your weapons in order to be able to get them. Lastly, the challenges sections from previous games are incorporated into two of the realms the player can visit during gameplay. In order to access them, you must first acquire three cipher stones to decode the realms' runes and learn the travel rune to access them inside the realm travel rune. I just said rue a lot of times there, it's a miracle my tongue didn't tie itself into a knot. Anyway, the first of the realms is Muspelheim. Made of fire and brimstone, it's sectioned off into different parts that can only be advanced through once the player completes the challenges in each of them. They vary from killing a certain amount of enemies in a set time limit, killing enemies in a certain area, enemies that regenerate health, or even having to defeat them without taking any damage whatsoever. I was playing on the balanced experience difficulty before getting here, but after suffering a lot with some of the challenges, I reduced it to give me a story, and even then I struggled a bit at times. At the top of the challenges comes the ultimate fight, against one of the 9 Valkyries you must defeat during the game. I slaved away for a good couple of hours before finally defeating her. Now imagine doing that 8 more times. I nearly had a nervous breakdown while fighting the Queen of the Valkyries. But back to Muspelheim, once that fight is done with, you can go back and do at least another 3 more harder challenges in order to get keys which will allow you to complete the ultimate challenge at the top of the realm again and get a little trophy that says that you completed the Trials of Muspelheim. Neat! The other challenge realm is Niflheim. The whole place is covered in a fog that slowly kills Kratos. There's a bar on top of the screen that displays how long the player can stand inside the fog before it begins dealing tons of damage and quickly depleting health. But there are spots where there is no fog, so no need to fear. Too much. One of the dwarves from the shop, Sindri, asks you to close a few realm tears in the central platform in the middle of an arena. In order to do that, the player must acquire mist echoes and spend them in order to be able to close the tears. They can also use it to open some chests that are spread around the room and grab some nice loot out of them. To get the mist echoes, Kratos must enter the fog arena and defeat enemies. He can also open chests to get them, which will also add a little bit of time to how much he can stay inside the fog before being killed. If he dies by any means, he loses all the echoes he acquired at that time and must begin to get them all over again. You've probably figured this out by now, but yeah, Dark Souls, that's, that's all I'm gonna say. There's an armor set that allows the player to spend more time inside the fog before taking damage, and it also regenerates some health so it's useful even outside of Niflheim. The downside to this is that in order to upgrade it, you must use the mist echoes and other assorted items that can only be picked up inside Niflheim. So either max it out before you leave, or just leave it as it is when you complete the challenge. And I believe that brings us to the end of another episode of Controller Disconnected. Thank you very much for listening. Please leave us a good rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. It really helps new people discover the show. If this is your first time listening, you can subscribe on your platform of choice. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, and many, many more. If you would like to support the show, you can do so at anchor.fm slash controller disconnected slash support. If you would like to, you can also leave a voice message on my Anchor page. Who knows? Maybe I'll use it for an eventual Q&A episode. You can follow the show on both Twitter and Instagram at condisconnected. 
the same handle for both places. Once again, thank you for listening. I am Matthias Carnero, and I will see you soon.